On the other side of Texas, history has its place. On the other side of Texas, justice rules the case. They don't like it, they don't love it. They say we're all wrong, but on the other side of Texas halls, we roll along. Well, hey there, howdy. Thanks for tuning in and telling a friend that you hang out right here on the other side of Texas. Crazy day. It's uh, it's my 40th birthday today. And I don't know what to make of it, but looking forward to making a great show ahead with you as we roll along. J. West Texas Leeson, thanks for telling friends. You hang out here on the other side of Texas. Heath Mayo coming up uh, is made a grassroots campaign, Principles First. Uh, Heath Mayo, and he's going to explain conservative values to us and why he's resisting what was presented in the Conservative Political Action Committee's event last week. Heath Mayo coming right up and then... Wes Rappaport reports with us on a birthday edition of the program. Uh, it is birthday day, which means that Facebook goes crazy and people chiming in to tell you happy birthday, social media. And it got me to thinking about an article I'd seen at recode.net. Not about birthdays, but about politics in general. What happens when you get off Facebook for four weeks? Stanford researchers found out. Um, How much would you need to get paid to get off your Facebook account for four weeks? That's a question. A group of researchers from Stanford asked thousands of Facebook users last year in an effort to understand how the social network affected issues such as political polarization and mental well-being. I would tie both of those together. But that's just somebody who talks about crazies. The study, which paid some users to abandon Facebook and encourage others to give it up uh, by using just their self-control, found that cutting Facebook out of your life has a number of consequences. Many of them are positive. The study, which was published late last month, found four key findings. People who gave up Facebook spent less time online. Their Facebook time wasn't just replaced by other apps and websites. People spent more time watching TV or visiting with families and friend, family and friends. People were less informed, but also less politically polarized. Giving up Facebook improved mental health. That's number three. Uh, On average, those who gave up Facebook reported small but significant improvements in well-being. Number four, those who left Facebook temporarily said they planned to spend less time on Facebook going forward. The problem with Facebook, anybody can say anything. And they do say everything on Facebook and do it without consequence. And, you know, all you got to do is just hit that button winds up being a pretty dangerous thing i got more to say about that because politics is not local anymore politics is nationalized you know i think it comes at the detriment of from wherever you're listening to this broadcast or episode 
on podcasts. But uh, Heath Mayo, we're going to have a pretty good discussion coming up here shortly. Afterwards, Wes Rappaport, J. West Texas Leeson chiming in at 40 years old. We'll see you here in just a bit, right here on the other side. Better weather. Stick with us for the other side. with a grin to the sound of hailstones hitting ten. It's loud enough, you gotta yell now. The whole thing hits me like a song. The pretty one won't last long. Go out to the lines here, and uh, we've got our friend Heath Mayo. Heath Mayo, and Heath, tell us, tell us what you do and how you became the sensation that you are now. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, having me, Jay. I, I would say that I'm a sensation by any means, but I would say that our our idea, our concept here, uh, has has taken off quite a bit, uh, sort of unexpectedly. Uh, no, but just, you, uh, how long ago did you graduate from law school? I graduated this past May, okay. um, and then worked worked for a time. I worked for a couple years right after undergrad. So I'm, you know, I'm seven, six, five or six years out of out of undergrad. But graduated yeah. in May from law school and came back to the company that I was working for before that. Okay, so I just want, I want to draw some con. A pretty young guy, but uh, Heath, you started this thing. If people are, if they're on Twitter and. We just did a whole monologue on how bad Facebook is for your mental health. But if you're on Twitter, and you may disagree with me, it, you can achieve a little bit better mental health so far as politics are concerned. But um, you started hashtag principles first. Tell us about that, and then let's get into it. Sure. Well, uh, so that all started about a week and a half ago, I guess, about two weeks almost. I was, uh, was going to be down visiting my girlfriend who lives in D.C. during the dates of CPAC, and there was no chance that I was going <laughs> to end up going there this year. Uh, just the, the folks that they were inviting to speak, I just didn't think that it was going to be a productive conversation in like, terms of well, what does it mean let, to be a conservative. Let me pause, because we are here on the other side of Texas, and there is this divergence, but I want you to describe it. Talk about your idea of what CPAC ought to be and what it was, and if you want to name names, name some names about, you know, they don't identify with what you perceive to be conservative. Sure. Uh, so I, I went to CPAC all through college, and I think, you know, last time I went was 2015, and CPAC, what it used to be, was a place of sort of reasoned debate. It wasn't a Republican conference. It was a conservative conference. It was a it was a place where folks who generally believed in conservative principles could come together and have genuine debates, disagreements even, about what those conservative principles meant when they were applied in practice. And so you, it was sort of an, a, an intellectual pillar of the movement. And recently, you know, last year they invited Milo, Milo Yana, I don't, even, I don't even know quite frankly how to pronounce it. Milo! Milo, Milo, I'm not sure. Uh, he says so much, many outrageous things that are that are uh, just just downright silly. That it just, I mean, that's not something someone that you put up on the stage to trumpet as, you know, this is a serious person who is who is contributing to the conservative cause. And then, you know, 
it be, it has become sort of a a seance of towards these personalities. You know, I naming names. I'm just thinking of folks like Candace Owens, Charlie Kirk, the whole Turning Point USA crowd, where you know there's really not a lot of serious arguments being made, but sort of just this griftery buzzwords that are kind of thrown around. Um, you know, and and everybody kind of gets around and does a hoo-ha chant and then everybody disperses and feels real good about themselves. I mean, there's a time and a place for that, but we just, I just didn't think that CPAC was that kind of place. I was, you know, and, and I, and I think that's what I meant when I tweeted it out and said, you know, we ought to get together with a group of my buds, um, in, in DC there and just get over, get together over drinks and air grievances if we want to, maybe not even do that. Uh, but anyways, I tweeted that idea out and, stepped into a meeting on Monday morning here at work, and when I got out of the meeting, I looked down at my phone, and folks all over were sort of emailing and tweeting at me, asking, is there going to be one in Detroit, or is there going to be one in Dallas, and I was like, oh, goodness, we got to figure, we, <laughs> we got to figure something out if we're going to, if we're going to do that, so we hustled over the last week and a half and ended up doing 12 of these things across the country and, and had over 1,200 folks sign up, and the conversation kind of took off on Twitter, and it was really a great thing um so we were we were all pretty uh, excited to see what happened with it yeah heath mayo here with us at heath mayo on twitter and uh, you and i i guess we followed each other for some time uh, i appreciate you raving on and uh i hope that you appreciate me raving on from time to time but uh tell us about like in your mind heath mayo because i get tired of these terms but in your mind, what, whenever you talk about principles first, um, conservatism, uh, what's your idea of, give us your top four planks on what conservative means right now. Sure. I mean, it's just me speaking. I mean, I think the principles first gatherings were sort of a grassroots come together of just let's kind of talk and figure out what those are because Mm -hmm. I think it's become so muddled that no one really knows what it means to be a conservative anymore. But, you know, for me, conservatism today really is about, you know, it certainly is about limited government, the idea that the government is not the answer to all of our problems, that um, that the Constitution and the rule of law still matter. And I think that plank particularly has come into some question. <laughs> Uh, in, in recent years, or, you know, are we going to be a constitution and rule of law movement all the time, or just uh, just just when our political opponents are in power? Uh, I think I think it ought to be an all the time thing um, if it's going to if we're if we're serious about it. Um, you know, I think local control is important. Federalism, uh, you know, devolving power closest to the people, I think, has generally been a principle of conservatism. The idea that government closest to the people governs best, um, and then families get balance. Budget budgets should balance, like families balance their budgets, and, and families are typically where, um, you know, kids are raised, and growth occurs. I just I, I think that families are the building blocks of society, and that's long been a sort of conservative tenet. Uh, then there's you know free trade, free markets, free people. I think freedom generally, liberty. Also, a, also a foundational tenet of conservatism, mm-hmm. um, but but those those are just again. I mean, I, I think it's a collection, and that's why it's important to to bring folks together and constantly talk about these things because 
if we start focusing on personalities and egos and brands, then it then we start to lose what it is that we actually stand for. So, uh, and you get things like, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Heath Mayo, was CPAC a seance to the personality of Donald Trump in your mind? You know, I think I, I think that has certainly, you know, gotten into that territory. Yes, I think it has become a seance to political figures. And and this was not a the principal first thing was not an anti-Trump or a pro-Trump. Uh, gathering, we had folks from both sides of that coin, um, but I do think it's uh, you know I think our movement generally has become fixated on these bombastic personalities, partly due to Trump. Uh, he, you know his his personality is certainly does not lack uh, for bombast, and I think that you know for better or for worse, and that it it sort of muddled our principles and what we stand for and what we believe in, and I think it's become hard to sort of hold our own side to account. I don't think we see that happening much anymore. There's sort of become this go-along-to-get-along pressure to kind of jump on the train and, and be a good foot soldier. And there's always that pressure, but, it, but it, feels, it feels like a different moment. And that's sort of what we were, the point that we were trying to make with these gatherings and, and sitting out of CPAC was to say, hey, let's, let's draw a line in the sand and, and focus back on what's important here. Yeah, I, I look. There's a wide divergence between Charlie Cook and um, Milton Friedman, shall we say? Yeah. Um, there, one, you know, so far as the intellectual acumen that's being presented. Um, but Heath, here's what I want to ask you: as a guy who voted for Trump in the primary, voted for him in the general, my concern was whenever we talk about you don't know what conservatism means anymore. Uh, you know, I, would that be fair? Uh, what, yeah. What conservative means. So here's here was my concern heading in. As somebody who lives on a rural side of Texas, trade has been messed up and messed up for some time. You see a Republican Party that is more Rockefellerian, in, if I can use that term, in its aims, um, aims for the upper 10 percent and and i took exception to that and you know this part of the world where we're broadcasting from was in by large means built by conservative democrats who knew had a respect for uh didn't never wanted they were not new deal democrats but they were democrats who were democratic party first and new deal second uh, didn't think that government could solve everything, but certainly had a respect for government. And Heath, whenever, here's my difficulty with pro- Republicans today, especially from where we're broadcasting. I mean, New Deal, Texas is some 10 miles away from where I'm sitting right now, right? And right. Um, that it's lost all regard for government, that government can do no good. And, you know, in Lubbock, Texas, the top, the top economic, and this would be throughout West Texas, but especially in Lubbock, the top economic drivers are higher education, public education, that's one, uh, medical mm-hmm. and health care, that's two, and agriculture is three. So agriculture, right. to look upon government as some evil that needs to be eradicated and limited and choked out, I think whenever you watch the 2016 
race, and I'm sorry to take Tommy out of your interview, but I'm really interested in what you had to say here. You know, we're talking about what conservatism means, is that there were folks more on the libertarian stripe who would put up who would put up Ronald Reagan and say, you know, hold up a, a sign of Reagan or a I don't know, an epitaph or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> and say that government ought to be choked out. Well, that would choke out a lot of middle America. And and that's right. the exception that I took was that we're getting we're getting messed around here. Uh, the Republican Party's come Rockefeller in, and what Reagan wanted to do was to stop the carotid artery of government. You know, break up Freddie, uh, break up Big Mall Bell, break up the big government entities, and but there comes a point where it turns into globalization, and then you lose Middle America in the middle of that. And Trump, in my mind. And why I voted for Trump in the primary, Heath, was because he spoke to those issues. And he said, yeah, we're getting messed around. And I think that's not only why, you know, Ted Cruz run against Trump in the primary. So, of course, Texas went with Cruz. But from here, where I'm sitting up to the Canada border, went with Trump in the general. Right. So what do you say to Republican to principles first people who are you know there's a reason why they're the middle of the country went with trump what mm-hmm. what quarter what sort of correction needs to be made there heath mayo i mean there's a lot of good thoughts there so i i think i'll just start by saying i i think you know excellent observations and i and i agree i mean i i think there's no doubt that that what you describe is exactly what happened, what was the motivation of a lot of the, you know, Midwestern states, West Texas, those, those, those communities in there, I think you're describing exactly uh, what the thought process was. And, you know, I just also would say, I don't, I think I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a no government conservative. I think I'm a smart government conservative, you know, a limited government conservative, an effective government conservative. And, you know, I, to the principles first, folks, I would say those principles don't don't mean no government right they mean they mean smart government government that lives within its means but that does that does recognize that we that we have a society that we govern and that we we ought to do things and and i think conservatism should focus on opportunity um and that the contrast we ought to be making with democrats and the left uh, folks like you know the far left and even even the moderate left is a focus on creating opportunity and equal opportunity rather than uh, equal outcomes, and and so that and that and, and adopting that principled lens sort of shifts your focus, right? It shifts your focus away from uh, sort of uh, welfare programs and ex post programs that sort of smooth over the gap, and you know really says let's invest in opportunity programs, which is education, like like you mentioned out in West Texas. We ought to be investing in public education. We ought to be figuring out how to smooth over the opportunity gap in America. It's not right that poor rural areas, uh, kids born in poor rural areas, uh, have worse public education systems than, uh, you know, wealthier suburban environments where if you're raised there, you're going to go and and get taught by, you know, a public teacher that was maybe a former uh, professor or something and Mm -hmm. is retired to the wealthy Dallas suburbs. 
You know, so there's, there's some inequities there in, in our public education system that are sort of making a mockery of our commitment to the American dream and that anybody, you know, from any race, background, or creed can, can rise up and achieve their dreams if they work hard enough. Uh, so that, that's my view. I, 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 hear, I hear everything you're, that you're saying. I think we probably would, we probably would differ, I think, on, on certainly tariffs if, 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 I think if you're, you know, alluding to Trump's sort of go and get them style on trade to sort of, you know, the buy American and, and, and ramp up manufacturing, I think there's ways to, um, you know, promote and incentivize domestic manufacture and domestic agriculture sort of without, um, you know, doing these unilateral uh, tariff fights that I think are ultimately just going to harm uh, American consumers. Uh, I, I think the folks that Trump, you, you know, that you mentioned that were looking to Trump for, for help and, and uh, thought that he would deliver, uh, I think, you know, I it probably, I mean, while it might feel good to see Trump kind of taking it to folks like China um, on trade, I think if, you know, if we look at the numbers and we look at the price of consumer goods, it might not be panning out exactly as, as everyone had hoped. Um, so it, on that point, I think it's a difference in tactics, um, not so much a difference in fundamental beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I mean. That's a, that's a big – that's a lot of issues to unpack there, but that, those are just my general reactions um, that, that – you know, I don't think being principles first doesn't mean oh we're so principled that we're going to to choke off government and there's no really good good role that government can play. I don't think that's it. Um, you know, even something as as simple as opportunity and creation of opportunity can be a conservative principle. It can be. Heath Mayo with us here. I appreciate you making time, Heath, to come on the show and talk about what you've started. It's your grass fire, as we like to say out here. And I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate you making time to come on and and talk about it. Um, do you think that uh, if somebody would you vote for an independent candidate over Donald Trump at this point? You know, Jay, I don't know. I, I'm going to be looking hard in the Republican primary for sure. Um, you know, if, if if there's somebody, you know worth his salt that steps up or worth her salt that steps up and 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 puts up a challenge then i i'm, I'm going to be hard pressed not to to go pound the pavement for them i just i, I have certain reservations about president trump that i just it, it's going to be and, tough for me he, to, to support him in the primary but talk talk about what those reservations are exactly i mean we've talked about unilateral tariffs but what are your other major problems with donald trump Sure. I, I think first and foremost is just character. I, I mean, I might be old-fashioned, but I, I I think character matters. And and you know, for all of Trump's veritable beefs against the media, he has. There's been countless times where it's just it, he says one thing, and and it's just objectively not the case. And it, you do that enough times, and you start to wonder, well, is he? Is he uh, allergic to the truth, or is he allergic to being honest? And that's just not a quality of leadership that I um, that I can really countenance. And 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 other things too. I mean, he's, I don't think even Trump's biggest supporters would would argue that he is um, the most the most moral um, upstanding citizen in the bunch. Um, but uh, you know, and for some folks are folks, folks, and 
I've talked to many Trump supporters back back home and some of my friends who say, you know, well, that's he's an imperfect guy that is perfect for the role, and I just I don't share that view. I think uh, our public leaders have a responsibility to be, uh, uh, you know, moral examples for um, kids, for, for everyone, really, and that sets the tone for what it means to be an, an American and um, what it means to be a, a good member of society, and I just, I, I, I think character still counts. And then, I, and then the second thing I think is the rule of law and the Constitution. I think, you know, for, you know, regardless of what that, the, the, the technical legal merits are of Trump's emergency declaration, I think that uh, had Trump been, is Trump's name been Barack Obama, and Barack Obama had attempted uh, what Trump is now trying to do after failing to um, get funding, secure funding from Congress over the last two years, uh, if Obama had tried to do this, conservatives would be up in arms because I think even technically if, if Trump could, can legally declare a national emergency, I think it is sort of end-running the natural uh, Article One process that Congress, you know, appropriates funds for things. And that Congress has said no, and now uh, President Trump is sort of searching out for a new tool to to sort of end run Congress and I just I, I think that and other things just undermine our constitutional norms, the separation of powers uh, and I think it's, it's ultimately over the long term going to come back and bite conservatives. Yeah. It sounds to me Heath Mayo, I was going to throw you out uh, a bone here and ask if you were going to primary Trump but uh, I don't want to. I don't want to end with that question. We have about ninety seconds left. Um, somebody, and I think it's fair to say in your mind, somebody needs to primary Trump. But what for a new generation Reaganite in the midst of globalism? What do you think somebody needs to run on on a Republican platform in order to be successful? I mean, that's a that's that's a great question. Uh, um, I haven't. I mean, I've thought about it a little bit. I, mean, I know I know what I would I would say. I would run on opportunity. I think opportunity conservatism really encapsulates what we ought to be selling uh, in the 21st century. Um, you know, I don't think the conservatism of the future is uh, just repackaged, recycled Reaganism. I think, to your point, we have some serious challenges with um, you know modernization, innovation. Um, things that are displacing um, our, our manufacturing workforces, our agricultural workforces. Uh, you know, we're, we're facing some labor market headwinds that just require new, innovative solutions. And I think that conservatism, uh, as an ideology, is is well equipped to meet those challenges. We just have to have the right advocate with the right perspective and message to to tackle them. And I think if, if we focus on opportunity, if we focus on creating opportunity and finding where government works best, uh, we can sort of come together behind a, an approach that keeps government within its means because, I mean, can't, we can't really afford to continue to deficit spend like we have the past two, two and a half years now under complete Republican control of government. You know, at some point, there's going to we've got to face a moment of reckoning because $22 trillion in debt is just, I, I don't know how much more we can take. Uh, so, so that's why I think conservative uh, values still have salience, still have traction, and I'm hoping someone steps up and, and makes that case to the American people because I think it's one that, uh, as this as this 
mini movement here, this grass fire, as you call it, has taken off. I think that it's one that folks are hungry for. Um, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> he is Heath, Heath Mayo at Heath Mayo on Twitter, and go ahead and uh, hashtag Draft Heath two thousand twenty. If uh, I got I got to finish my day job, Jay. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, excuse me. You've uh, you've started this grass fire, Heath. So you got to deal with it. We were eager to go into break there. Appreciate your time, and uh, hope to hear back from you soon, bud. All right, thank you, Jay. Have a good one. Heath Mayo, there. Uh, gonna go to break now and uh, get in with our friend Wes Rappaport. Reports on the other side. Stick right with us here. AM five eighty. Love it. Best friends with the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Leeson. I'm a big, big man. Not just in size or in stature, in terms of space that can't be filled. I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Yeah, I'm a bottomless canyon, down a drop spill. Hey, all your real estate needs, commercial, industrial, residential, whatever it might be, you can contact, if you think what you hear is the straight and the skinny, contact me, Jay Leeson, to uh, help you out, uh, 806-543-1317, and uh, I can get you taken care of. I deal primarily with commercial but willing to help with whatever your needs might be. Wes Rappaport reports coming up here shortly on the show and uh, appreciate that conversation with Heath Mayo. Um, you know, a little bit difficult because, you know, with with Heath Mayo, what you get into, what you get into is uh, what it means to be conservative in Glad somebody's taking a stab of it. Heath Mayo doing a really good job. But somebody's doing a great job there on the hill. Uh, our friend Wes Rappaport reports. Wes, glad that you're with us. Glad that you're back on for another edition of the program. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you, Jay? I'm uh, just just watching some Next Star. And we've got the star himself, Wes Rappaport. Uh, what have you been covering today? What's it looking like? We're uh, talking a little bit about uh, school safety here today, um, the Senate version of the school safety plan, kind of the omnibus bill that uh, is looking at tackling school safety. Uh, was uh, it's Actually, still the hearing's still going, so we're kind of hanging out at the Capitol uh, listening to uh, public testimony and some safety and security experts talking about uh, what the state needs to do to uh, protect the kiddos when they're in the classroom. Oh, you stepped out just for us. I sure did. Well, of course, I wouldn't miss a birthday show. 
It is the birthday edition. I appreciate that. Uh, here on the other side of Texas, forty I would, years I would old. You with this. It's the big four zero. It is. It's forty. How, how old are you, you Wes? I was going to say I'll hit you with the Stevie Wonder uh, "Happy Birthday" to you, but I don't own the rights to it. Uh, how old are you, Wes? I will be twenty six in July. Oh, the places you'll go, Wes Rappaport. <laughs> uh, tell us, so you saw the rollout of HB3 in the house. Uh, what's the reaction been like? First of all, tell us what it is and what's the reaction been like. Well, there's, uh, you know, I, I have been kind of uh, swamped in on, on this uh, SB11 today, but um, but basically HB3 is, is the house version of uh of the um school finance bill and and essentially what you know there there's a lot to it um uh it's about nine billion dollars um in in funding um which is a lot of money it's more money than i'll ever see so it's it's there's a lot to to kind of focus on there and and um it works in with the property tax reform piece. It works to reduce recapture. Um, starting it, it, from what I understand, it would start an early reading program um, for for high quality pre K, um, raising t- teacher salary uh, in addition to the raise that the teachers got across the board, um, or at least that the Senate has approved. Um, Dedicating more money for dual language immersion. Um, there's a there's a lot, and there's a whole laundry list, and, and we're uh, we're putting it up uh, for the viewers on the Cap Rock there at everythinglubbock.com is where you'll find our coverage of it. This is what Speaker Bonin said today. I think we explained it quite well, and these are all in quotes. I find it interesting that. That's your question because what we laid out today is school finance plan. I don't know how you call a $5,000 across the board teacher pay raise with no discussion of reducing recapture, no discussion of reducing property taxes, no discussion of early childhood education, no discussion of absolutely incentivizing the teachers going to a tougher school to teach what we have is a plan and i'm proud of our plan i think teachers are some of the smartest people in texas and they are going to figure out that the texas house has a winning plan for teachers and students in texas wes this seems to be the shot across the bow from the house to the senate that just paying these teachers $5,000 one time isn't going to work. You're going to have to address some underlying issues. Is that what you're finding there? Well, I think that it goes back to what you and I talked about on the program, uh, whether it was last week or two weeks ago. I guess it was last week, talking about um, the that what that what that $5,000 across the board raise really means, um, and and does that raise mean uh, you know, a handout of sorts. Does it mean uh, a pacifier? Um, and and it, it sounds like if you ask, you know, some of the House leadership, that's yes, uh, and that it's not enough. It's not the meaningful reform. Um, and I don't think that you'll find 
anyone in the Senate calling this, you know, the $5,000 raise a meaningful reform. Um, but I think that, you know, from what we've heard, they're calling it a step in the right direction, and it and it gets the ball rolling. And they added librarians, and so, you know, I think that they're they're. Um, I think, quite honestly, if if you really take a step back and look, the, the Senate priority is the property tax side of things. Um, Mm. And and not to say that the whole body is it feels that way, but so uh, is Kumbaya but, over, Wes? Now the Kumbaya stops, and we start making stark contrast between the two chambers. Well, I don't think that the Kumbaya is over. I, I think that um, you know they're going to try and hang on to that uh, feeling as long as they can. And um, but you know, there's we're less than ninety days out for this for this session uh, still to go and so um, at this point they're, they're going to have to um, you know uh, not only talk the talk that they've been talking but but uh, really r- start walking the walk and, and you know some of that includes uh, the, these bits and pieces along the way you know uh, uh, like today for example you know I don't I think it's safe to say that, that the school safety piece is not the you know crown jewel priority of of the legislature, but it's certainly an important piece. It's certainly a factor that goes into uh, the decision making on both the school finance and on the property tax side. Because uh, Larry Taylor, the chairman of, of Senate Education and the author of this school safety plan, basically said, you know, it doesn't matter if you if how good the education is if you don't if the kids aren't safe and if the staff aren't safe. And so, uh, you know, there there are lots of moving pieces the way that this goes and so um you know i think that it remains to be seen uh at least from the senate where that that uh kind of full uh public education finance piece is um because they focused a lot more on the property tax side to this point at least in terms of things that have been filed so um you know the house has now uh filed their their um their property tax legislation uh, and uh unveiling today the the uh, public education funding um, that means you know Senate legislation in terms of the the public ed uh, funding isn't far behind right so you know that this long answer to a short question you know is the kumbaya over I don't think so I think there's still uh, you know if, if we're sitting around here TikTok waiting for for uh, you know a, a legislative package on on uh, over compass over encompassing uh, school finance in a couple of weeks from the Senate side, then, you know, maybe we'll have a, a deeper conversation about that then. Wes Rappaport uh, here with us next stars at Wes Rapp on Twitter. I, uh, I think you're wrong. I think this is where the kumbaya stops. Uh, the Senate certainly, I think, some grit of the teeth there from the Lieutenant Governor, I would assume today that this is the distinction between the House and the Senate. But, Wes, this is what people need to know is that on the House side, you have 150 members. On the Senate side, uh, you've got far less. I mean, you've got some, what, uh, 31 senators and a lieutenant governor, and they aren't going to hear from local representatives to the degree that a body that has 150 from and I think this becomes defining here that you're what you're going to see going forward. Now, what's your thoughts here? What you're going to see going forward is whether or not teachers are going to quote 
well, I say quote-unquote, but I'll put it in asterisks because I don't want to cite anybody who's saying this. Teachers have a have a choice. Get $5,000 one time or to attempt to fix school finance on the house side. And that's why I think the kumbaya stops. Well, I think that there's, uh, you know, if you take a look at the optics, and remember that press conference a couple of weeks ago where the where it was uh, uh, Dustin Burroughs on the House side, Paul Betancourt on the Senate side, and and the three, the big three, Patrick Abbott and, and Bonin, um, all side by side announcing the property tax legislation. Um, and and you look today and, and they are they are not in the same place on education that they are on property tax. Plain and simple. Mm-hmm. Um so, that, you know, does that mean that, that, you know, all the handshaking and, and deal-making is done? No. I mean, there's still so much to do. Um, but I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, they, they're, they've got to get it done here or else they are going to be hearing from uh, uh, people uh, across the state, teachers uh, and, and parents and students and administrators. I mean, they're going to start hearing from folks if if the the ideals kind of don't um, you know align here and and they always talk about it that everything's going great but I guess we we'll we'll have to see uh, just how it it all shakes down here um, yeah. as as they I mean th- there are hearings left and right on things today right so so it's it's just about making sure that that the other issues. Kind of get, don't get lost in the weeds, and I know that you know every time we've asked, we said, "What are you working on?" And they said, that, "You know, school funding and property taxes." But they, they'd be lying if they didn't say that they were working on other things. So you know, it, it's just about kind of you know a little bit of playing the game and making sure that that uh, the, that some of these other issues don't kind of fall through the cracks. And and they're all, I, w- I wouldn't say they're they are all, but I would say many of them are kind of tied together um, under this this property tax and this school finance umbrella. So. Um, still a, a lot to, to look for. Yeah. Uh, Wes Rappaport with us here. Um, other issues that you've been covering, Wes, things that over these next 90 days could come to light and uh, have piqued your interest? Uh, well, uh, I will tell you, so today was uh, was Texas Tech Day um, at, the, uh, at the Texas legislature, so kind of fun to see uh, uh, all the uh, the black and red uh, and and uh, all the folks uh, who have who have made the trip uh, here to to Austin and folks who are in this area who are uh, representing their uh, the Red Raiders uh, as they're they're out and about here at the Capitol um, uh, was was also uh, interesting to see um, and and I guess this was to be expected because uh, Chancellor Mitchell told me that that uh, Bob Duncan would be involved but. Uh, to, to see Bob Duncan, you know, honored along with the uh, Texas Tech leadership and, and very involved today in, in uh, the legislative uh, meetings and, uh, uh, I guess, celebration of, of Texas Tech here at the Capitol today. Yeah, but I think to a lot of insiders, and maybe I've not said this before on the program, but Bob Duncan, pro bono, going in on this vet school, doesn't want to be, has not, has not filed as a lobbyist 
just doing this based upon his own his own principles shall we say that he's all in for this vet school he wants people to know about it and this is how much he believes in it and some would say believed in it so much that he got fired for it Wes yeah I I don't uh, I don't I don't have anything to add there I think I think you hit the nail on the head I mean I think I mean but I would say this let me just cut in and interject Things have changed there at the system since Bob Duncan left. Uh, where Bob Duncan can emerge in this role, where he's just down there wanting a vet school, and that's what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, I I think that that you know his at least while he's even though he's not you know uh, uh, being paid for it per se, I think that he he is some of his priorities certainly haven't disappeared because he's no longer the the chancellor right i mean uh, some of some of the things that the ideas that he wanted to wants and wanted to implement some of the you know concepts that he was working on um you know in his role a lot of that is still continuing and and um you know it's no secret that he's working closely with with uh the leadership uh the current leadership to um you know see some of those things continue yeah. Wes Rappaport at Wes Rapp there on Twitter. Hey, um, one day you'll think back when you turn 40 and you'll remember this episode of Other Side of Texas. I hope <laughs> you will, buddy. Of course I will. Yeah, Wes Rappaport. Uh, we're proud of you, bud. Keep on doing it. Hey, thank you. Appreciate you and happy birthday. Yeah, we hope to hear from you next week. Wes Rappaport reports. Next Star Communications. Have a good day, bud. You too. We're going to see you at South by Southwest? Uh, no. <laughs> see how long that took? Uh, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm too old for that now. Uh, we'll catch you next edition, oh, oh. bud. <laughs> see you later. Bye, bud. Uh, thank you, Wes Rappaport. Going to get into a quickie break. Tell you what's going on tomorrow on the program right here on the other side of Texas. Welcome back to the other side with Jay Leeson. Hey, coming up tomorrow on this edition, or that edition, of Other Side of Texas, we got Ross Ramsey, our friend Mike Bazaar for this edition. want to thank our friends Heath Mayo coming on, talking about conservatism, what it means today, principles first. And I, I don't think you could, I got some text in, he's, he's resist Trump. I don't think that you can put him up as like, hashtag resistance uh, certainly had a lot to say appreciate Heath Mayo making the time appreciate our friend Wes Rappaport making the time tomorrow 
you've got some Ross Ramsey and uh, Mike Bazaar. Bazaar Solutions going to talk about some technology problems. Going to talk about some Texas pol- political issues with Ross Ramsey. Appreciate you tuning in to this edition of the program. Until next time, rave on, buddies, rave on. And then uh, tomorrow, I'll for- uh, unfortunately, maybe fortunately, be working my way into 41. Appreciate you, dish- you listening to this program. Not going to get home to a great dinner. Got a great birthday party ahead. And uh, appreciate you. Always being a part of the program. We'll see you next time right here on the other side of Texas. It's who we want.